In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and I have great news for our listeners. We hit a record month last month with listenership. So I'd like to thank all our listeners, and we do have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you what we're about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organization's what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values. They may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. In this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. I invite you all to connect with me on leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Let me know what you'd like to hear about on this show. But remember, tune in Tuesdays, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now on to today, what we're going to talk about today, and I'm really excited. This is going to be really fun today. And we're going to talk about curiosity. And when I think of curiosity, the first thing that jumps to my head is the saying that everybody knows, curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. Now, as a kid, my parents always said this to me, but not in a negative way, in a really positive way telling me if I was curious about something, go out and find out about it. The only time I ever heard it maybe in a little negative way, which wasn't really negative, was around birthdays and holidays when I'd searched the house looking for the newest hiding places for the gifts. And you know what? I always did find them. If my mother's listening, she probably doesn't know that. But I would then find them and I'd measure, shake the boxes and see if I could guess correctly what was in them. And funny thing, I still do that today. My husband, I find all his hiding places. But when I think about curiosity in the business sense, I know that it is cited as a trait that is most successful in most successful leaders. Now, in May 2018, Success Magazine stated curiosity as one of the top seven leadership traits leaders have. And they stated great leaders are intensely curious about ideas that come from fields such as art, literature, philosophy, and more. And when you think about it, Walt Disney, one of the most innovative and creative leaders of all time, he said, We keep moving forward, opening new doors and doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. And again, another great management guru, Peter Drucker, said knowing the right question to ask is at the core of strategic thinking. And today, many leaders have adopted Drucker's be intelligently curious philosophy in their management styles. And in this episode, we're going to talk about curiosity to an expert in curiosity. Dr. Diane Hamilton is the founder and CEO of Tonera, a consulting media-based business. She is also a nationally syndicated radio host, keynote speaker, and the former MBA program chair at Forbes School of Business. She has a PhD in business management, and she has taught more than a 1,000 business courses and authored multiple books, including Cracking the Curiosity Code, the key to unlocking human potential. She is the creator of the Curiosity Code Index Assessment, which is the first and only assessment that determines the factors that inhibit curiosity. 
Her groundbreaking work in the area of curiosity helps organizations improve innovation, engagement, and productivity. Her books are required reading at universities around the world, and some of the most respected names in leadership, including Steve Forbes, Keith Crock, and Ken Fisher, have endorsed it. She is highly sought after keynote speaker who has shared the stage with top speakers, including Marshall Goldman, Martha Stewart, Damon John, and she has been featured on Forbes, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. And we are so happy to welcome her to Leadership Beyond Borders today. Welcome, Dr. Hanneman, Diane. Yes, hi, it's so nice to be here. Thank you so much. Please call me Diane. Okay. Um, thanks. So let, let's just start out in layman's terms um, for our listeners. What is curiosity? Well, you know, there's a lot of things that fall into the area of curiosity. If you look up the definition, I mean, it's basically a desire to learn something, to know something, to just discover something that you don't already know, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's so interesting to... Um, categorize it. I I basically research curiosity in business more than anything else, because that's kind of my focus as a behavioral expert for uh, leaders and managers. So uh, my desire was to look at what makes people interested in discovering more to develop themselves in their career and uh, progress. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when when you talk about so uh, curiosity in business is what you're studying, and and just from a general term again, okay, mm-hmm. um, how we're we're kind of born with this. When you think about babies, you know they crawl around the floor, they grab everything off tables. I mean, how much of curiosity is really inherent to our genes and our being, um, and is it re- related to our evolution at all? Well, you know, we we know that everybody's born with natural curiosity. Uh, we have state and trait curiosity. You know, one is kind of like state is like, oh, that's a cool color of purple. I wonder what that is. And then <laughs> there's the trait where, you you know, you tend to naturally feel curious. But when it comes to children, uh, we all have a very high level of curiosity that peaks around age five. And around that time, we start to see a marked decline. And there's a lot of reasons for that that I know we're going to talk about later. But that was an interesting thing to me uh, because we know uh, that we have what Max Planck coined the curiosity gene. And this is a very important uh, thing to, to research because not only do people start out with curiosity but so do animals and they found as you know from reading the book they looked at birds if they just stayed at one bush and never looked at another bush they'd run out of berries right so Mm -hmm. (laughs) we we need to develop this this uh sense to for survival but the problem is in the real world a lot of things can inhibit it and uh but we want to in increase our levels of curiosity at work because right now that ties into innovation, engagement, productivity, you name it. And uh, so it's something that actually um, makes us feel good too. Mm-hmm. And, and what makes us, I mean, when, if we're born with this and, and it may decrease a little bit, but what makes some things more interesting to us than others? I mean, um, or people more interested in some things than others? Well, you know, one of the first personality assessments I learned to be certified and qualified to take was the Myers-Briggs assessment. And some people like that one and some people don't. But if you research a lot of different personality assessments, uh, they'll tell you, you know, you have certain preferences for what you uh, have, almost like how you prefer to write with your right hand versus left or vice versa. So certain personality traits and things, uh, they stay with us. I mean, if you're an extrovert, you're probably always going to be an extrovert unless, you know, some major personality uh, issue, some life disaster happens or something. Everybody pretty much keeps their their Myers-Briggs type. Um, So I think we're all born with a certain amount of curiosity. Some of us might have more than others. And uh, but there, there can be a lot of things in our environment and other issues that sway us. Uh, as we as we age, there's so many different things. I mean, just even twins, you know, there's so many twin studies. You know, one grows up here, one grows up there that they, you know, they look at some of the things and there's some stuff that's just innate to us. But then there's other things that we're also having a lot of pressure from other outside influences. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when you're talking about curiosity, one of the things that that jumps into to my head 
um, Diane, is is motivation. Okay, when I think about my little story, I'm, I'm, I still look for presents all over the house. Okay, and, and <laughs> right. I, 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 you know, and I don't, you know, I'm motivated to do that, but I'm curious to do that. I mean, what's is there a relationship between motivation and curiosity? That's one of the first things that I looked at, and I'm the same with you. I found all the presents as well. Um, I think a lot of kids are going to find them. They're motivated. They want to know what's in, you know, what they're going to get. I mean, motivation, you know, is a reason for acting or behaving in a particular way. You want to know, you know, what you're going to get. And I, I, I thought it was really kind of almost challenging to determine what came first sometimes between motivation, drive, uh, all the things, creativity. That, that we hear about in the workplace. And I've had all of the experts on my radio show from, you know, Francesca Gino from Harvard to just you name it. If they're an expert, Daniel Goleman in emotional intelligence, anybody who you can think of who studies all the psychological components of all these things. And I researched the work by Daniel Pink, who wrote Drive, which is about motivation, and, you know, Simon Sinek about finding your why, about, you know, our intrinsic motivations. And if you look at all these things, it all comes back to curiosity. Okay, so I, I talk about this in a, in a, um, a lot of different uh, talks I give. If you look at some of those uh, things as ingredients, think about baking a cake, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're going to bake a cake, your, your end product is a cake, obviously, right? So you put the ingredients together. You have uh, maybe a cake mix or maybe flour, eggs. You know, you mix it all together, all these ingredients. You put them in a pan. You put them in the oven. What happens? Well, if you don't turn on the oven, nothing, right? You get goo. No one gets cake, right? And that's what they're kind of doing with this motivation and drive and all that. Those are the ingredients. But the spark, the oven, is curiosity. And so they're not ending up with cake. They're not ending up with the cake. In this case, is productivity is what everybody wants, right? You want innovation, productivity, engagement, all the things. These outputs are not happening because you're mixing the ingredients without, without turning on the spark. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, so uh, that's a really good analogy. I like that. I'm just trying uh-huh. to kind of figure this out a little bit. Okay, so I'm motivated to find something, and and does one really come before the other, or or it's the same time? Because when you're talking about the cape, you're mixing everything up. Okay, and and then the motivation is a spark. So is it my curiosity that's driving me, or my motivation that's driving me first? Well, you know, everybody I've asked on the show all say curiosity comes first, but they, they are very much intertwined. I mean, you know, if you have a desire to learn something, then you have, you know, a reason for acting on that. And, you know, so that's your motivation. So you start with curiosity and you go, oh, okay, I'm, uh, now I'm motivated to really figure this out. So you have to kind of have that spark that, huh, I want to know more to be driven to do more. Mm-hmm. Okay. So could you say that highly motivated people are usually also very curious people? And if you could you put that in a sentence? I, I think, you know, I've interviewed close to a thousand people on my radio show and they're all super uh, driven, motivated people and they're all super curious. They all read. They all look into everything. If they don't understand something, they figure it out. They try to they they find somebody to help them. They have that sense of let's let's just discover what I don't know. And I think that that's what makes people super successful. I think recognizing that you don't know everything, that there is more to learn, that there's a lot of discovery that takes place in success is why so many people are successful. And I, that led to my interest in writing the book because I I interviewed all these people who were just super curious and super successful. And then I taught more than a thousand, you know, online business courses and all those people I taught, a lot of them really didn't have that sense of wanting to discover. They wanted you to kind of give them the fish instead of teach them to fish. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that it's really important to see that some of us uh, are held back by not having enough curiosity. Okay. And actually, that's something I'd really like to talk about um, on curiosity and successful leadership. And I know that's what you've studied quite a bit. And we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, I really would like to go into more the relationship between successful leadership and curiosity. And for our listeners, we are talking with Dr. Diane Hamilton, the founder and CEO of uh, Tonera, and is a consulting and media-based business. She is also a nationally syndicated radio host, keynote speaker, and former MBA program chair at Forbes 
School of Business, and she has a PhD in business management. She's also taught more than a 1,000 courses and authored multiple books, including Cracking the Curiosity Code, The Key to Unlocking Human Potential. And that's what we're talking about today. She's also the creator of Curiosity Code Index Assessment, which we're going to talk a little bit later on about that assessment. Now, if you'd like to reach out to Diane, you can reach out to her under drdianehamilton.com. She's also under drdianehamilton.com Curiosity Code System, on LinkedIn under Dr. Diane Hamilton, Twitter, Dr. Diane Hamilton, and Facebook, Dr. Diane Hamilton. So please reach out to her. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, leadership and business expert. You can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders or on the website leadershipbeyondborders.net. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's Business Channel. And today we're talking about the subject of curiosity. And we're talking with Dr. Diane Hamilton, the founder and CEO of Tonera, a consulting and media-based business. She's a nationally syndicated radio host, keynote speaker, and former MBA chair at Forbes School of Business. And she's also the author of Cracking the Curiosity Code, The Key to Unlocking Human Potential. So, Diane, um, before the, we, we kind of talked about motivation and curiosity and, you know, is it the cart before the horse or the horse before the cars? And we talked about successful leadership. So I, I'd like to go into that a little bit. Um, curiosity and successful leaders. Uh, um, why is curiosity related to successful leadership? Well, I, I think we, we're seeing leadership has changed a lot uh, since, I, I mean, when I first got into the business world, we didn't even hear leadership as much as we heard management, which was more of a uh, tactical kind of thinking. And now we're more strategically thinking in terms of what our leaders need to do. And we've got millennials who have a different way of looking at things and Gen Z who have a different way of looking at things than the Xers and the uh, you know boomers did. So leaders really have to question and find out what everybody needs. If you've got five generations in the workplace right now, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like everybody yeah. needs something different. And you and I talked off the air, you know, our Myers-Briggs types or, you know, ESTJ or whatever our types are are what we have, you can't really categorize people 
you know, everybody together, you and I could have the same ESTJ, but not be have the same needs. And mm-hmm. all of that ties into getting to know people on a really uh, one-on-one basis, where a lot of leaders have neglected to do that in the past. I, I uh, interviewed Doug Conant on my show, who was a great leader who turned Campbell's Soup around, who had a very big problems at Campbell's Soup with engagement, and he had to to make sure that uh, he improved that. And a lot of what made him successful was his ability to connect with people. He wrote, I think, 30,000 plus uh, handwritten notes to people throughout his time there at Campbell's. And he's in just about every case study you read about in any business course I've taught for good reason. Because engagement's a huge problem in the workplace right now, and if leaders don't really focus on that, that they they know they're losing five hundred billion a year, according to Gallup's surveys, right? Which mm-hmm. means we've we've got less than a third of the workplace t- engaged, which means they're just not uh, actively driven to do what they want. You know, their job, they're just kind of walking dead. And mm-hmm. if you're if you have that, you know, their curiosity is so critical to improving engagement because. People want to know what what they do is important, and they want to know how that ties into the overall goals of the organization. And if that is not being made clear, then people are just kind of phoning it in. They're not really uh, dedicated to what they're doing. And so I think if you are allowing people to really explore and ask questions, you're getting so much feedback that's useful. I mean, you mentioned Disney in a previous segment, and Disney uh, really improved their engagement by using curiosity. They, uh, you know, not everything is really gl- glamorous at, at Disney, even though you think it is. There is a laundry division, and, it, <laughs> and as fun as that sounds to fold towels and iron sheets or whatever they're doing down there, it doesn't sound great, right? So they were not, they had a big problem with engagement and turnover. And they, they kept thinking, well, why don't we ask them how we can make their job better? They use some curiosity here, right? And they're kind of expected to get things uh, told to them that were things they couldn't fix, like, you know, really expensive or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what they did get back was really reasonable things, like put an air vent over my desk, uh, make my table uh, adjustable height so it doesn't hurt my back, those types of things. And they're thinking, well, yeah, we can fix that, right? So they, they had... Um, put together just a few things based on curiously asking how can we help you and it dramatically improved turnover and engagement. So there is a huge relationship between employee engagement and curiosity. And uh, I found, you know, as we talk about that um, in the book, you know, I, I, I focused on all the different factors that are tied in to curiosity and engagement is one of them, emotional intelligence, uh, in, you know, all kinds of different factors tie into enga- into uh, curiosity. And that's what I found so interesting. Mm-hmm. And and that that is so important. And when you talk about this engagement, I mean, what, what Disney did is great. You're talking to the people, finding out from them, asking the right questions. And when I think about ga- engagement, I also think about inclusive leadership because we're in a global economy today. Okay, and as you said, we have we have five generations in the workplace. So so this is not easy. Um, when you when you're talking about engagement, what's the relationship between engagement, inclusive leadership? And curiosity. Is there a connection there? Well, the, all, all factors in, in uh, leadership are connected to curiosity. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I teach not only that, but uh, servant leadership, all the different aspects of what makes leadership so successful all ties back to curiosity. Because in the past, you know, uh, we would go to people and say, uh, you know, don't come to me with problems unless you have solutions, thinking you're going to get rid of the whining and things, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of those people don't have the answers and you, you know, for you to include and uh, have their input relevant, you have to realize that they can't know the answers to everything, right? But they mm-hmm. could, they could be good at recognizing problems. So recognizing the importance of curiosity is good in all aspects of of, of leadership, because uh, employees have to feel that what they contribute is important. Otherwise, they're going to shut down. They're not going to to provide any input. They're you know, and then that, then you run into engagement issues. You're also running into problems with innovation because people aren't feeling that their ideas matter. Mm-hmm. And and as you're getting people included, okay, and you're you're getting them involved and listening to them, um, as a leader, how much does 
emotional intelligence play in this? Because I, I hear that word all the time when I'm talking to leaders. You know, we have leaders have to have emotional intelligence. And and where's that related in this entire, you know, circle of of inclusive leadership, curiosity? Where does emotional intelligence fit in? Emotional intelligence fits into just about everything. I wrote my doctoral dissertation on emotional intelligence many years ago, thinking, oh, this is a cute little subject. I'll write about this. (laughs) (laughs) And then later, it's, you know, even now people don't really understand it thoroughly. And when I had Daniel Goldman on the show, I got to talk to him. It was very exciting to talk to him since he wrote such important research in the area about why EQ can matter more than IQ, which is your emotional Mm -hmm. quotient, your measurement of emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence, one of the biggest uh, factors I think associated with emotional intelligence or, or you know what they include within it is empathy. Empathy is your ability to see things from somebody else's perspective from their you know reality and and I'm writing about perception right now and that ties a lot into that as well as curiosity but to really develop your empathy you have to be curious about other people you have to want to ask questions and find out more and not just figure you know everything about how things are and then be able to put yourself in there position based on what you've learned uh, and not just only see things from your own unique perspective. And and I think that's a huge part of developing your cultural quotient as well. Mm-hmm. Because if you can, um, if you realize, I mean, how diverse the workplace is right now, think about it, not just the generations, but culturals, uh, you know, and cultural uh, aspects to it. Perception's a huge part of how we get along in the workplace. And to develop that, it takes a strong level of emotional intelligence. And without emotional intelligence, you're having a lot of issues with conflict, communication. Again, we're in the tens and hundreds of billions, depending on where you look, of how much money is lost due to communication and conflict issues. And that comes back to emotional intelligence again. Mm-hmm. If people can't communicate well, it's usually because they they lack interpersonal skills or, or their intrapersonal awareness to be able to see how people see them. I worked for a company in, and I remember in 1980 I took a personality assessment that where they um, you know would ask us about different aspects of how we saw ourselves but would they also want to know how others how we believed others saw us and so they were kind of ahead of themselves in the emotional intelligence arena in realizing the importance that just because you see yourself some way doesn't mean other people see you that yeah. way and you have to not only know that but look at it from a couple different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's that that is so important to look at it from different perspectives, especially um, you know being here in Europe, Diane. I mean, we have so many nationalities, so many cultures mixed in, and um, it's so important to learn about other people. And I want to I want to go one step further on one leadership quality that I always think about, and that that that's decision making. I um. The, the successful leaders that I've known and, and observed and talked with always have really good decision-making abilities. So how, how does curiosity relate into that? Well, I think if you're to make a really good decision, you have to be a critical thinker. And mm-hmm. critical thinking is all about gathering information, comparing the information. How does it compare to what you're thinking, what you thought you thought, you know, you're going around and around with all the different data and analyzing it, right? And mm-hmm. that that's a huge part of decision-making. Unfortunately, we aren't seeing great critical thinking skills in a lot of people. And I know when I ran the MBA program at Forbes, we were developing quite a bit of critical thinking into different courses on purpose. Uh, you want that in, the, in, in higher ed, of course, and I'd like to see it developed more in K through 12 as well. But uh, if you're able to think critically and, and research data, I mean, that's one of the best things of getting a PhD, I have to say, is just the way we were taught to, to find out information and analyze it and compare and, and support our points. And when you're talking about leadership um, and providing content and information to people, if you, you're making a decision, you have to be able to support that this, there's, there's data out there. There's this, this reasoning behind your final decision. And you just didn't pull something out of the air out of nowhere, right? And some people do that. 
They just mm-hmm. say, well, this is how it feels good. You can't do it all out of intuition. Intuition can play a part, but it takes heavy-duty uh, critical thinking to come up with strong de- decision-making skills. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, on top of emotional intelligence, just intelligence in general, which includes uh, you know, the ability to think critically is a lot of what I, I, I looked at not only for curiosity, but per, for perception. And I think that if you look at, um, you know, what they're doing to train people, it, it's kind of scary because com- workers are hired oftentimes for their knowledge or, you know, what they've, their skills. They could fill in a, uh, an Excel spreadsheet or they know how to do answer the phone a certain way or whatever their skills are. But then they're fired for their behaviors. So their emotional intelligence and their, you know, ability to put things together in meaningful ways and think critically and a lot of the things that fall into soft skills. So you'll hear a lot about the problems associated with soft skills. And uh, so that was the big factor that led to my interest in this is not only did I want to study curiosity, what it is, what do we know about it? But as I was writing this book, I thought, well, I can't just write about curiosity. I have to figure out what's stopping us, because if you don't know what's stopping you, you can't move forward. And so as I wrote the book, I went through chapter by chapter thinking, okay, so what are the top issues that curiosity is impacting and and what research is out there? So I thought critically and researched (laughs) and I created chapters on, you know, like leadership, emotional intelligence, engagement, all the things you're asking me about. Because if you go to leaders as a consultant right now, those are the top things, communication, uh, soft skills, all those things are the things that they're going to say, uh, these are the problems that are holding us back. And if you can't work on those issues, then that's impacting the bottom line because you're not getting innovative ideas, you're, you're getting low engagement, and you're having a lot of other issues. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. And and with that, um, we're going to take another break, Diane, and I'd like to come back to that on, you know, what is holding us back and how do we change it? Um, and a little bit more about what you've developed, the Curiosity Code Index that you've developed uh, that helps people identify some of these these challenges that we may be having. So for our listeners, we are talking with Dr. Diane Hamilton, and she's the founder and CEO of Tonira, and it's a consulting media-based business. She is a nationally syndicated radio host, keynote speaker, and former MBA chair at Forbes School of Business. She has a PhD in business management and authored multiple books, including Cracking the Curiosity Code, The Key to Unlocking Human Potential. And if you'd like to reach out to Diane, please reach out to her. Her website is Dr. Diane Hamilton. And you can also learn about the Curiosity Code by going to drdianehamilton.com slash Curiosity Code System. She's also on LinkedIn under Dr. Diane Hamilton and on Twitter under Dr. Diane Hamilton and on Facebook also. I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, leadership and business expert. You can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And Leadership Beyond Borders is also brought to you by Cinda, one of Europe's most significant digital marketing and local search nonprofit associations. Cinda conducts market research and holds digital conferences two times a year in Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And their next conference is May 24th to 26th, 2020 in Berlin. And for more information on that, you can go to www wcinda.com. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, 
fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's Business Channel. And today we're talking with Dr. Diane Hamilton, and she's the founder and CEO of Tonera, and it's a consulting medium-based business. She is also a nationally syndicated radio host, keynote speaker, and former MBA program chair at Forbes School of Business. She has a PhD in business management, and she is the creator of the Curiosity Code Index Assessment, and she's author of the Cracking the Curiosity Code book, which is also available on Amazon. So, Diane, before the break, you talked about what holds us back, okay? So, we have leaders and we have successful leaders, but we'd all like to be successful leaders. So, what are the things that are holding us back from being a successful leader and how is that related to curiosity? Well, you know, it was interesting as I started to uh, write about curiosity, I, I thought, well, there's got to be assessments out there that determine what holds us back. And I started looking and then, you know, there's the big five factors of personality that has openness to experience. It tells you how open you are, which in other words, how curious you are. And there's other curiosity assessments out there um, that determine if you're curious or not, but there was nothing out there that determined what stops you from being curious and for me to develop curiosity and what leaders want to do is develop curiosity in their followers you have to know what's keeping people from being curious so I I started out thinking I I, you know because I was certified in emotional intelligence Myers-Briggs and all those things I thought well maybe I should just create my own assessment I so I, I began by looking at LinkedIn and just asking people you know what holds you back what what's the thing that keeps you from being curious and you heard a lot of people say fear-based things, which I was not surprised by. But there was an assortment of different things. And so I took a couple years to research this and hired psychometric, you know, statisticians and created a lot of um, questions to determine what I thought, you know, we needed to ask to find out what holds people back. And uh, I found that there are four factors that keep people from being curious. And I think if you could determine what's keeping people back, then you can create an action plan to move forward. Because without that knowledge, you can't move forward. And uh, so that was the biggest excitement for me in going through this process. Yeah. And so so let's talk about what you discovered. So you discovered mm-hmm. four areas that keep people back. And, and, and what, what are those? Well, I created the acronym of FATE, F-A-T-E. And they are fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. So Fear, as I mentioned, a lot of people mention fear-based things. A lot of people don't want to look stupid. We're all in the meeting thinking the same question, but nobody wants to say it. So you lean next to Bob and say, hey, Bob, why don't you ask, you know, whatever? Because you want Bob to look stupid. You don't want to look stupid, right? right. But, but fear is very common in the workplace, especially if you've had a boss that said, you know, come, don't come to me with problems if you don't have solutions or I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that or whatever nasty thing they might have said to you. That's going to make you just shut down. And a lot of people uh, had a lot of different uh, things that tied into fear. And as we look at assumptions, assumptions are really that voice in your head that says, this is something I'm not interested in. I've never done that. I don't think I'd like it. Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. 
why would I want to do that? In the past, they just gave me more work if I volunteered and I got no money. You know, you had all these things that are going in your head that uh, talk you into or out of whatever you're going to do during your day. And so that voice is a huge factor. Uh, technology, the third factor was also kind of interesting to me because people sometimes under or over utilize their technology. They may not understand the, uh, you know, like if you use a calculator, you never learn the math behind it. You know, you don't have the foundation. And so we, you never know how great you would have been in a computer design or something if you've never actually learned about how things work and the why behind things. But, uh, so a lot of people are overutilizing it uh, without the foundation, but some people are just underutilizing. They're afraid of it. They think it's too complicated or they just learned the last thing. It's going to be too much work. Why would I want to learn the next thing? They're just going to replace it with something else. You know, there, there's a lot of that kind of thinking. And then um, probably for me, the strongest of the four factors was environment. Now, environment could be everybody you've ever met, from your parents to your friends to your teachers to your boss to your class boss to your coworkers to social media. I mean, you name it. It's everybody out there. And a lot of us are raised in families where this is what's cool to study. And this, if you like that, that sounds dumb. Or if you like this, this it sounds good. Or whatever it is that kind of focuses you in directions that may not be what you really want. But it might be what your family wants or your teachers just don't have time to teach because they're teaching to the test. They can't answer your questions that are, you know, in, in a lot of uh, great TED Talks like Sir uh, Ken uh, Robinson or um, uh, George Land, a lot of these great talks out there are about how we've educated people out of their creativity, their curiosity, their uh, everything that's not really STEM related sometimes in the education mm-hmm. system kind of gets kind of educated out of us because we're, we're focusing on, on science and math being the, the great predictors of success. So if you look at what George Land found when he worked at NASA and studying kids, that, you know, he had 98% of the, you know, young kids had very high level of genius levels of creativity. But by the time they were adult, it was down to like 2%. So we, we know that this stuff is problematic uh, with our environment. And so as you look at fate, fear, assumptions, technology, and environment, and you look within those factors, once you recognize, hmm, this is an issue for me. I never really thought about it. So how can I move forward? The next thing you do is to move forward is create kind of a personal SWOT uh, and an action plan for, you know, here's my, my, my issue. These are some potential threats of why I'm not getting to the next level or what, you know, here's some opportunities. Who can be my support system? This is how I can move forward. And, and that's what we're doing in the training courses that I offer. Uh, I created this assessment, which is the Curiosity Code Index, which I train people to understand their results. Now, they don't have to go through training to understand them. You can just go to curiositycode.com and take this assessment. It's like a Myers-Briggs, emotional intelligence, you know, quick disc, that type of assessment. You get your 28 pages or whatever it is uh, report. It tells you how to move forward. But you can do this through your work and your, you know, HR people, consultants are all getting certified to, to give this assessment, um, if, you know, the people want SHRM, which is the Society for Human Resource Management um, certification credits, mm-hmm. uh, and there's five hours of SHRM recertification credits associated with anybody who wants to become certified to give the CCI. So um, there's a lot of things that, that I'm doing with uh, different individuals, depending if, it's, it's, if they're HR, if they're consultants, if they're individuals, but it, it's all at curiositycode.com. Um, But I I think that what is really important is to just recognize that we need to focus on these four factors. And if we don't, then people are continuing to do status quo thinking. And status quo thinking is what's kind of killing organizations right now because everybody wants to be innovative, right? Everybody wants to be the next Uber, the next whatever that shakes up the system, uh, and and recreates the, the, whatever we're trying, to, whatever industry we're in. But if we have status quo thinking, it's kind of like that psychology experiment where they the woman went into the doctor's office to get a, what she thought was an eye exam, and what it was was a psychological experiment where everybody around her were actors, 
and they rang a bell every couple minutes. And every time the bell rang, everybody around her would stand up and sit down without explanation. <laughs> and she's looking around going, what's going on? But she knows that's, you know, she's the only one not doing it. So after a couple of times, she stands up and sits down with everybody else, right? <laughs> and they they kept doing that. And then they, she just kept following along until they thought, well, let's take everybody out of the room to see what she'll do if everybody's taken out. So they called people back as if they were getting their eyes examined. Uh, eventually, she's the only one in the room. The bell goes off. She gets up and sits down, continues this behavior. <laughs> and so they thought, well, what's going to happen if we bring new people into the room who are re- actual patients? What will happen? And they do. And the bell goes off. She stands up and sits down. The guy sitting next to her says, why did you do that? She said, because everybody else was doing that. I thought I was supposed to, right? So she's got the status quo group think. And so the bell rings again. And he stands up and sits down with her. And so does everybody else. So we know that social learning takes place. People get tied into doing things the way everybody else has always done it because it feels comfortable. And they're afraid to buck status quo thinking. And that's what I'm trying to change. And, and, you know, this is great. So if I, if I were to go, and I haven't done this yet, um, if I were to go to curiositycode.com and take mm-hmm. this, um, because I wanted to improve my, or I wanted to, to learn where maybe I have challenges or where I can improve as a leader, because these are four behaviors that are holding you holding us back or challenging us. You're saying fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. Then I will get a result where I could what? Then say, maha. Maybe, maybe I'm assuming too much, or I'm working with too many assumptions. Okay, is is that what would happen then? Well, you would get back a report, thirty six questions you would take, and for every one of those questions, you'd have feedback of why this is an issue or isn't an issue. You know what what you can do to 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 recognize that issue, and then at the end of the fear uh, part, the assumption part, technology and environment part, they all have an action plan. Uh, set up to teach you how to create an action plan to overcome each of those issues that are holding you back. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this sounds like a fantastic tool. Okay? And and you're giving a certification for coaches, HR, leadership trainers. And how does that work if you want to learn to interpret? Because I know by Myers-Briggs and other ones, I mean, Hogan, it's really important that you also learn to interpret these results so you can right. be more effective in implementing a plan. So what goes Very on similar. there? Yeah, it's very similar to going through other certification programs, but I try to make it uh, more compact. It's a half-day online at your uh, convenience type of uh, asynchronous, uh, you know, training course. You go through, you take the assessment, and then you're certified uh, to give it. You get the SHRMS recertification credit. You get discounts on CCIs if you're going to give it to organizations. There's a a lot that it it sets you up to be successful. You get uh, more, um, you know, brochures and PowerPoint and different things that you would uh, have access to materials. And so it's something very important for coaches, uh, HR, anybody interested in giving this to their organizations. And uh, I do work with wholesalers as well, who who are people who like to give a lot of assessment, you know, training to other Mm -hmm. consultants. So I have wholesaler arrangements out there. I have a lot of different things. So if anybody's interested in that type of arrangement, you can contact me at Diane at drdianehamilton.com. I'm happy to talk to you personally about that. Uh, but uh, a lot of them are going through, you know, the, the training uh, at their own leisure, which is a lot nicer nice. than having to fly somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, it might be because I'm sitting in Prague. So. Right. <laughs> but anyways, um, we're getting towards the end of the show. And I just, I, if you could wrap up in one sentence or one um, one message to our leaders on on you know, developing yourself and, and, and using curiosity to develop yourself, what, what would you tell them? I'd say if you're in meetings and people are agreeing with everything, you probably have a culture that doesn't embrace curiosity. And I think a lot of people think agreement means good, and it doesn't necessarily mean good things are happening. It could be everybody's standing up and sitting down to the bell, and nobody's asking why. And I think culture comes from the top, And leaders have to recognize that they need to demonstrate curiosity. To do that, they have to be a little vulnerable. They have to show that they're not afraid to ask the stupid questions so that other people won't feel stupid asking questions. They can't knock people down for asking questions. They have to be open and make it very clear that this is something they want to change within the organization. Great. And that's a great 
tip to end on. And uh, Diane, thank you so much for being with us and taking the time to be with us today. And for our listeners, uh, and for our listeners, we've been talking to Dr. Diane Hamilton, the founder and CEO of Tonera, consulting and media-based business. Um, As you heard, she's also the author of Cracking the Curiosity Code, the Key to Unlocking Human Potential, and the creator of the Curiosity Code Index. Now, as you said, you can get the Curiosity Code, take the test under curiositycode.com. You can also reach out to Diane under drdianehamilton.com and also on her website, website drdianehamilton.com slash system. You can learn more about that. She's also under LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook under Dr. Diane Hamilton. And you have been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. It's a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy, SRO, and also CINDA, the Search and Information Digital Association of Europe. And CINDA holds conferences twice a year, and the next conference will be in Berlin, May 24th to 26th, 2020, where you can hear digital experts and leadership experts from around the world. So sign up under www.cinda.com events. And you're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. We provide, Leadership Beyond Borders provides uh, um, interviews with leadership experts and digital experts from around the world. So tune in to us each week at 3 p.m. specific time on Tuesdays or download us on Stitcher or Listen to us on Google Play or iTunes. And if you'd like to contact me, contact me, Kimberly Lewis, at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or visit my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And you're also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And for now, again, thank you very much, Diane. And thank you, our listeners. And please tune in to us again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.